Hello, everyone. Welcome to another very special episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. We are back to talking about books for children with Star Wars Young Jedi Knights Jedi Under Siege. We're not talking about the Old Republic expansion Jedi Under Siege because I don't think, Corey, either of us really play Old Republic. I, I haven't played as much as I would like. I want to get back to it someday. Mm-hmm. Well, that day is not today because, as I said, we're talking about Jedi Under Siege. Um, what if we just go play Tor now? Who's going to stop um, us? Who is going to stop us? No. I don't want to. But so Okay, well, I, I don't, this... don't want to be here then. Okay, that's Plus... I titled this stream, Luke was a god-awful, terrible teacher. Jedi Under Siege discussion. And a lot of people in the chat thought that I was referring to canon Luke and that um, Luke in Legends was not actually a terrible teacher. Before we even get into the plot, do you think we should maybe talk about some of Luke's greatest failings in Legends? Uh, well, because he loses one student in canon who goes a little rogue. That happens about eight different times in Legends. And that's not including the first six of his students that basically just die before he gets them anywhere near an academy. Mm -hmm. Like his first one, about an hour after Endor, you've got Dev Sivuara who Luke yeah, we, only really cares about as a potential Padawan. And, like, Dev dies, and there's actually a cut scene from Trusa Bakura where he's planning to do, like, Weekend at Bernie's kind of stuff with him. <laughs> he's just like, oh, I'm going to teach you about the Force. I already texted Leia and told her. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, yeah. Dev, you die now. <laughs> Bastard. Um, yeah, so there's Dev. He loses most of his students. His, he loses a lot of his first class. One of them literally catches fire and explodes. Uh, um, Gantor, yeah, Gantorus. Luke allows Yavin to be attacked Multiple no less times. than four times. I can think of, I can think of four times because two by his students. We we get this book um, where he gets attacked. We also have in Jedi Knight Two he gets attacked by Dasan. Uh, he gets attacked by Dala, which not really kind of his fault, but it's it's technically not his fault. But we talk about that in Dark Saber. Then mm. we talk about this this attack where also, the, the Jedi are siege. Yeah, Exar Kun uh, Which does attack Also, t- that one is definitely Luke's fault, maybe more than the other ones. But the most damning thing is that let it's a Jedi Academy. They're going to get attacked. You got to have your Star Wars going on, right? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. He leaves without telling anyone in the last oh, book yeah. we covered, Planet of Twilight, when clearly everyone's in... And this is like right after the Darksaber attack. So like they need him there. They think he's on the planet just meditating off in some fucking spring somewhere. It's not... It's irresponsible. He's the only one here with first aid. He can't leave. Yeah, and he's like... <laughs> like oh, Keon will handle it. Without Callista, there's nothing to live for. And it's not like she died and he's sad. She was just mm-hmm. like, this relationship isn't working for us anymore. And he goes mm-hmm. like full-on emo kid phase at 32 years old when he has all these children he's collected from around the galaxy that he's responsible for. He's like, nah. Yeah, and then later he leaves Streen in charge for long periods of time. I think that's <laughs> Thrawn duology where he's like, well, Streen can do it. Yeah, at <laughs> least like when it's Stryn. Cam and Tion later on when Cam and Tion are actually qualified, that that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not great, but it's still fine. It's like, Tion's been training a lot of his students, and we know for a fact that Tion's greatest skill is playing the space harp. <laughs> yeah. Tion does but, all the heavy lifting with uh, with the Jedi. Yeah. Luke also does not protect the Jedi Order in uh, the Yuuzhan Vong War. Um, I, I feel like we're even still missing some attacks. I pr- probably gets attacked in Junior Jedi Knights as well, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So it might even get attacked again in Young Jedi Knights in one of the other books. Like, like there's, not... there's a specific conversation between Corrin and Luke. Where, like, mm-hmm. Corrin's trying to kind of let him down easy, but it's still the the main text of the conversation is like, you're not really good at this. No, he's, he's really not. Um, so, yeah, that that's the title, I guess, why Luke was the god-awful, terrible teacher. Also, if we look at his... So, just the base... This book is a very, very simple in plot, even more than the other ones. The, the whole book is about them trying to defend Yavin from the attack by the Shadow of Cavity, which I actually kind of like because usually, especially in this era when Star Wars books are dealing with something like that, it'll be like, okay, there's this fun thing going on on this planet. 
And then also, like in the last book we read, C-3PO's over here chasing... Or C-3PO's over here with his his uh, his jizz box, like trying to make way just to get across Don't the Don't call R2-D2 then. <laughs> so it's nice... No, C-3PO's the jizz box. So it's nice that... um. It is kind of... I, I like that anyways. What did you think about that? Yeah, like that's been one of the, the nice parts about some of the the young reader books that most of the young Jedi Knights books, except for, I guess, the last couple where you kind of go between Jane and Jason and then Zek, uh, mm-hmm. they're typically one main plot. And like it's not bad when other books have multiple plots. That's how most books do it. It's just no. the last few we've done have been very uninteresting B-plots like the C-3PO and Han one in Planet of Twilight. Mm-hmm. So maybe that says more about our uh, our attention spans than anything, but I just like this book because it gave all the characters. Life. You know, like I'd say the only character who really gets shafted is Lobaka, but all of the main characters are like confronting like a big threat. Like they've been, you know, being built up for this entire because this is the end of the arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been built up through this whole arc, and now like they have their moments to shine. We get Jaina. She gets to show off her piloting skills. Um, Jason, to be fair, doesn't really do that much. He almost gets um, shot down, and he makes uh, Tenelka's heart go all a flutter. Yeah, Jason's m- m- morale. He's there for morale purposes. And then we have Tenelka fights uh, the Night Sister. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> he's there to be told not to tell jokes. But it's like people come together and like, oh, that Jason. You know what I mean? He's basically told like three times this book. It's not the time for that. And then Tenel Kaw gets him with an absolute zinger at the end. Yeah. Also, speaking of Jason's jokes, he has one that's really insensitive. Um, his joke was like, what do you do if a Rancor steps on your timepiece or your, your watch? Get a new watch. He's, he says that to Tenel Kaw. Like, if you have a Rancor step on your arm, you're going to lose your arm. Tenel Kaw is... I don't know if it's actually Rancor he uses, but... Tenel Cobb is missing an arm at this point. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I don't. I don't think the. I don't think the implication is that the that the watch is on your arm when the stepping happens, but we can we can get a team reviewing that. Okay. So so yeah, the whole story is kind of about them defending Yavin from. It's a lot of action, um, and I want to talk about Luke because Luke's not only an awful teacher because he lets the academy get attacked so many times and it's kind of flippant about like all these threats that are facing the academy but also um in this book when they're being attacked he's like good luck lol off into the woods you go <laughs> yeah i mean he does guys... he does try to cut his meeting with uh Brachus short so that he can go and i guess help so yeah. that that's nice of him he doesn't i did like that battle though say like hey that's uh kind of busy so maybe mm-hmm. if we want to have our meeting let's call everyone off for a second and we'll make this a 101 duel mm-hmm. i thought that would be one of his one of his conditions for meeting with brackus yeah you'd think so instead he's just letting all the other jedi students go around and like luckily there seems to be no other adults involved in the battle beyond luke brackus and coral yeah. it's just a bunch yeah. of kids on either side so what's her name on the skiff but she gets oh yeah pretty early. uh and what was that that battle platform? There's like um I forget what it's in, but there is like an Imperial battle platform. Um that I kind of assumed where is it? Uh Aerial Landing Plot no, that's not it. That's New Cannon, I think. There is something that it's it's basically just kind of like exactly what you'd imagine, like like a giant platform with troops that, that you can land and hmm. like yeah. I don't remember what I've seen it from, but yeah. Yeah, everyone kind of got their their tasks. Like Tenelka and Loey went and dealt with that. Uh, really, it was a bomber flying into that platform that did that took care of that. But yeah, but I mean, Jaina all or not Jaina. Tenelka did kind of throw everything at it, which was kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And then she still got the lightsaber back. So yeah, Raynar even had a job to do where he uh, he tried to confront Zek who was mm-hmm. uh, Jane and Jason's old friend, leading the, the troops of the Shadow Academy into battle. Uh, Zek doesn't want to kill anyone, so he throws uh, Raynar into the water. I thought the water would be pretty clean at first, but it turned out to be kind of brackish. 
fucking hate I fucking hate doing this podcast. See, um, there there was a Jason joke for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was good. Um I liked the duel between Brackus and Luke because like the whole time Brackus is like thinks he's so good and he's you know, he's been showing off his force powers this whole series, but then when he goes against Luke and Luke's actually trying, he like lasts two seconds. Yeah. Which it just goes back to Luke being a bad teacher, or else Brackus would have been better at that. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, I mean, how how old is Brackus? Like twenty, twenty five? Uh yeah, he's probably around there. Yeah, so. We did get a new rebellion reference. Did you pick up on that? Was was Queller mentioned? Not Queller, but the the factory that because mm. he's at a factory in those books for some reason, uh, producing the droids that like they send across the uh, the New Republic, and Luke mentions, "I gave you the chance at that factory on yeah or wherever." There was there was another reference that came in from something that I, I wasn't expecting it to come in from, but I, I can't remember what it was right now because I didn't make a note of it. But there's something that they do reference that was kind of obscure. To the point that I wasn't even sure that they were intentionally making the reference, but it's Kevin J. Anderson, mm-hmm. so it almost certainly is, because that is the, the main thing that Kevin J. Anderson know. is good at. Is I'm trying to think of any. that I, I mean, there's, there's always Dark Empire ones, but... Yeah. Hmm. I thought at first that those birds in the trees were the same ones that attacked Luke. Because, um, you know, when, like, the Dark Troopers are, or when the uh, the Dark Jedi are attacking and, like, the it's like the creatures were waiting, I didn't yeah. realize it was, like, Luke has bird students. I thought it was, mm-hmm. like, those those well, Sith birds. No, I think it was, it was supposed to be, like, oh, his reptilian students uh, jumped out of the water and then the bird students jumped out of the trees and then the tree student slashed once yeah. and was... Uh, I like a netty. I assume was done for the year after that, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, that that is right. I just thought at first that it was like actually just those things, you know. Yeah, those. I don't remember what they're called. They're just like the the three headed things that Anakin kills. Hmm. I think it's Anakin. Isn't it Jason that kills them? Right. I don't know. It's not like we read all the books or anything. I will say though, the tree sounds like it's got a pretty good setup. The tree Jedi, whereas like the trees just vibe in twenty four seven. Like the tree's got no job. The tree's like all I do is sit here and suck up oxygen and water and carbon dioxide and nutrients and just vibe and think about the force. I was trying to figure out like how long did it take it to build the lightsaber? Because the one arm slash took months of energy out, it said. So yeah. Is it just how long did it take it to get to time? Yavin as well? Like, did someone wheel it there? <laughs> they It was just in a pot. They were moving it across the galaxy. It's possible. Well, in one of the other books, too, it talks about there being more plant-based Jedi. So mm. well, they probably just, like, veg out and literally, literally veg out <laughs> in a greenhouse all day. <laughs> well, that's all they got to do. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just sounded pretty pretty cool. Like yeah. I feel like that's the ultimate Jedi form. I wonder if they're expected to like attend Jedi meetings at the academy. Like just have to wander over it's to like, a window. Luke, you know I can't attend any meeting unless you schedule it three years in advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It it did seem kind of weird that there were no adult Jedi around because there was still. Like, you'd assume Streen would be there, or maybe Cam or something. I feel like at this point, though, they're out doing their own thing. Like, yeah, but there, there's no, like, intermediate group of students. This is only two years so. before the Yuuzhan Vong War, and there's supposed to be, like, a hundred of them. It is a problem yeah, that, but... like, Luke's, all of Luke's Jedi, when they're kind of graduated, they just go off and do whatever and piss mm-hmm. off Borsk failure. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminded me of, like, the High Republic in that way, where, like, wouldn't you become a Jedi in the High Republic? And in this, you kind of just get to go off and do whatever you want. Yeah. Whereas, like, the prequels, it's like, yeah, no, you've got, like, you're on a Jedi Council. Even if it's not the Jedi Council, you're, like, on the Jedi Council for, like, making sure the the Coruscant is stocked with paper at all times. And, like, you've got, like, Jedi jury duty to do. And, like, <laughs> you're on a Jedi tribunal. And it's just, like, you got you to gotta get 30 professional development hours a month. <laughs> it's, like, Luke's, like... <laughs> Use your lightsaber, bro, like, if, if you get a chance. <laughs> yeah, Luke really just doesn't want the responsibility of uh, 
leading the Jedi or telling them what to do in any mm-hmm. way. Like mm-hmm. part of it is a uh, magnanimous, like do what's right for you thing. And th- mm-hmm. there is definitely an element of like, I, this isn't my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't say I blame him either. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Seen, we've seen what the Jedi can be like. But I mean, again, that's tying into Luke's just, you know, he's not he's not doing great. He's trying. He is trying. I'm not saying he's not, but he could be doing better. He's trying as long as, like, Callista isn't around or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. It takes Mara to, like, whip him into shape or something. We'll have to keep yeah. an eye on how that develops, though, just to see what the... Well, they'd be married at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, so. are they? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's cause this is twenty four. You got married nineteen. I always think but... of this as being more separated from the Yuzong Bong War than it is, but it's like I know me a too. year before. Yeah, which kind of like it does kind of ruin like all these, like there's they're serious books, but I mean, they're also kind of like happy go lucky. No one really dies or anything. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's like you know, like just around the corner, there's like snarling Yuzong Vong ready to kill yeah. Anakin and torture Jason and just it kind of uh kind of shits on everything a little bit yeah because the kids are only like 16 to 20 during the on vong war they're yeah 14 here yeah the older ones and they it, it's kind of occurred to me like there's not really a point in star wars at all where jason and tenel are actually in a relationship where no they got like a night together in legacy of the force and well dark nest <laughs> Is kind of oh, is it dark? oh yeah it's dark yeah. Right. yeah and that's like the only point where we kind of and I guess the there's five years between the end of the Vong War and Dark I mean it's Nest, literally so just a booty call in Dark Nest like yeah from what I remember like he's he's on Hapes I think and he just stays for the night I think yeah so not a booty call but you know but like, he, Jason probably did send a you up text like yeah. like he's like in the Star Destroyer and he's like you up and she's like yeah like how about you. Mm. With the last few books, we've started to see, like, the start of Jason's side of the crush, and now Tenelka Mm -hmm. in this book. Uh, And there's a bit of that in the Yuzon Vong War, but really, most of the Yuzon Vong War, Danny Kui set up as Mm -hmm. Jason's love interest, except for during Star by Star, where, like, there's kissing and stuff going on between Jason and Tenelka, but it's, that doesn't come up before or after, really. This is Star by Star more about um, Anakin and uh, what's her name? Anakin Zahiri, yeah. But like, yeah. there are still some Jason and Tenelka moments. And mm-hmm. like, Tenelka is really upset when she thinks Jason's dead. And that's why she's okay becoming the queen mother of, or the queen of apes. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Pretty epic story. Can't wait to get to that one. Gonna need two weeks to read it, though. It's long as fuck from what I remember. Yeah, it's 19 books long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's going to be a whole the, year of tap calf. What do you think the fastest somebody's read the Yuzhan Vong? Like 19 books. Like a day? I think someone's Probably read them all week. in like I don't think they've read it in a day. Two days? No. How how much skimming are we allowing for this? Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess it's not possible to do it all in a day. No. No way. A week does seem more realistic. For me, like, you're, you're a lot fast. I thought I was a fast reader, but you're quite a bit faster than me, it seems. How long did this take you? Did you do the audiobook or did you No, this one did not. This one took me pretty much one sitting. Yeah. Like 2 hours maybe or in... yeah. How about you? Uh I think it was like 45 minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought That's I was insane. doing it pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, no, this one probably took me cuz I read half of it when I was with Imogen for so I read not half of it. I read 20% and then I sat down and read the the last of it. Um, and yeah, it probably took me combined two hours or so. Mm-hmm. Like most yeah. of the NJO books I was reading over the course of like three days, but there were a couple that I like got really invested in and did over there like a single day, like Trader I read really quickly, uh, Rebel Stand and Rebel Dream I read pretty quickly because they were really good. Yeah. Star by Star took a while. Hmm. Star by Star is fun. Yeah, it's just... Oh, it's so dark. So dark. Yeah. If you're not in the right headspace going into that, then it's... (laughs) You did get Borscht Bailey dying, though, which is always nice. 
everyone fucking dies in that book. Yeah. Like, there's the strike team of, how many, 18 Jedi or something? And mm-hmm. six of them make it home. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm reading, I'm reading uh, all the Halo books right now. As mm-hmm. we, I don't know if we talked about this on stream, but they're also pretty pretty dark. Um, yeah. A lot of people die. It's like, I mean, it's military sci-fi, so I'm like, any time I start myself, I see myself getting attached to a character, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Like, especially in the Flood. The Flood has lots of... Which is... The Flood's the novelization for Halo CE. It's got a lot of, like, fun, cool characters. Like, not just, like, Fohammer, but, like, some that don't appear in the game. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I really like this character. But I'm like, they definitely don't make it out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Unless well, their name is Dustin Echoes or Sergeant Johnson. They're, like... I don't think I realized it the first time, maybe even two times that I read Star by Star, that, like that's the first time most of those characters are mentioned from the strike team. So like they are just introduced to get killed off, mm-hmm. but the ones who do survive end up being like the main characters for the next two. Isn't Zek on the strike team? Yeah. Zek's on the strike team. Is Loie? Uh, Loie. It's like all the young Jedi Knights characters, but then you have Tessa, Bella, Hera, uh, Techly, Anakin Tahiri. Uh, oh, is that where Techly comes from? Yeah. I love Techly. I think Ganner. I love all the Charger fans. Ganner's the one on the t- strike team with him. He doesn't die, but he gets captured and then dies. Ganner's been in, isn't Ganner introduced early yeah, on? Yeah, Ganner. Is he the one in the first scene? Yeah, or is that because like the first half before. of the NJO is kind of set up as like Ganner's the new mm-hmm. main character almost. Yeah, yeah, he's a good death though. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've been. I've been really into Halo books the last little bit and it's been it's been a nice change because they're very they're they're it's not like they're literature it's like Star Wars books, you know, but um well, Alphabet Squadron counts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are some Star Wars books that approach that level. But um Yeah, it's just I didn't realize how like how dark those entire books are where it's like, yeah, we got it's like the fall of reach. They're like, we got like three weeks left and then we're just <laughs> fucked. <laughs> so are we doing an episode of tap calf on a halo book? Yeah, we should, we totally should. I, I think so. I think, have you ever read any of them before? No, you should, you'd probably enjoy them. So there's like the fall of reach is like the first real one that like, it's like John's training and all the Spartans training. And like the, the fall of reach itself was only like the last 10% of the book. Um, but it's like how the Spartan program started. Um, and then like there's the the flood, which is like the, the events of Halo CE. It's probably my favorite first strike, which is the events how Chief got off the ring, um, and kind of back to Earth. And then there's right now I'm reading uh, Ghost of Onyx, which is kind of different than the other ones. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because like a lot of the stuff in those books, which like. I don't know if you've ever seen what the original cover of those books looked like, but they're they're they were really initially at least just envisioned as like tie-in merchandise yeah. for the game. Like, I, like, like, I've definitely seen the original cover of the Flood, and it looks just like where it's a like just an Xbox yeah. logo. Um, but it, it's crazy because like those books introduced Hal- like Halsey, like Doctor Halsey, um, like basically everything you know about the Spartan program. Uh, Cortana's rampancy was like a thing that was introduced first in the books, although that might have come from Bungie. So it's like it's kind of interesting compared to Star Wars, where like all of these kind of tie-in books, um, although like some of them to get heavily retconned, like they change basically everything about the Fall of Reach. It's it's not similar at all. However, it's like all of these little background details about the universe, like Blue Team, for example, who are like main characters in Halo Five, like Fred, Kelly, Linda. They all come from the books first. So it's kind of interesting how, like, Halo has... Sounds like they come from a fucking PTA meeting. <laughs> oh, my God. Some of the Spartans have the worst name. There's, like... Uh, it's just... I mean, John, Kelly, Linda, Fred, um, Sam... Why am I... Uh, Will is one of the ones right now. Kurt. It's just, like... Jesus. <laughs> huh. But, uh... What do yeah, you think about good. the the confrontation between Zek and Jaina? Because that's what the book kind of culminates in, is 
the the battle has these little almost episode six style vignettes and then almost episode style six as she throws down her lightsaber and says i'm not gonna fight you well i i mean like the rest of the book is like the oh, e- almost the ewoks doing the little creative yeah. shit to stop the atst and a lot of the battle mm. comes down to that and then we do get the like luke or luke versus vader scene reimagined with jane and zek but it starts mm. off where uh zek is blocking them from going into the temple it's like i'm gonna kill all of you he's the only <laughs> one left and jane yeah. is like i know zek you can't do this and luke's basically like no we should just kill him but but luke i i want to save him like that almost never works <laughs> i've never tried that but we'll see <laughs> it just reminded <laughs> me of like it was so overdramatic and like zek's thing is also there's a bomb in there and it's like is, is that what he's trying to do just kind of reminded me of just like two high school students just like being overly dramatic in the hallway before class it's like <laughs> no don't go in there and then it's like when you finally push past them you see it's because like i don't like the mean substitute teachers in there or something like, <laughs> you look back at the dark brooding kid and he's like did he know there was know, a, like i don't think that's what he was trying to do he still thought he was being edgy dark boy no i think point. he i think he knew about the bomb well he could have just said hey don't go in there there's a bomb and yeah but because he, he at did. that point he was still like, no, Peckham's dead. Uh, I'm I'm evil and rar. And he was still in his emo phase. Like there was definitely some My Chemical Romance playing in the background. Uh-huh. I do find it funny how uh, Zek just gets away, like, um, or not gets away, but he's just like, basically, it's cuffed on the side of the ear by Peckham, and it's like, yeah. all right, I'm gonna head out. Smarten up. <laughs> And then they take yeah. him for back to on Gem Diver Station. Yeah. Isn't it convenient that like Akbar was there on Gem Diver Station with Lando's weird fleet and another Republic fleet nearby? That that's handy. Is that I just figured they met en route. Well, I think that's what it's meant to be, but it it, it kind of just reads like Akbar was hanging out with Lando and jumps in. Because mm-hmm. there there's the the Shadow Academy fleet of like hastily constructed Star Destroyers. And then you Ship have Star Destroyers. Yeah, then you have like Lando's merchant fleet, which all I guess Akbar had the DP twenties. There's always Corellian gunboats and anything that Kevin J. Anderson does. Corellian gunboats and Corvettes in this one. Yeah. But So we if, were both happy. If you ever are reading anything by Kevin J. Anderson, there's gonna be a Corellian gunboat because that's the only New Republic ship he knows about. What do you think uh Akbar would have had, I guess, um Galactic Voyager at this point, eh? Yeah, uh, yeah, because Defiance is gone, and he has Voyager in. Uh, Doesn't he only have Defiance? Isn't that only his one in Dark Empire? Yeah, he's got Voyager in like. He the... might be back on Home One by now because he goes kind of back and forth. It's very inconsistent. But since it's Kevin J. Anderson, if he had a flagship mentioned, it probably would have been Galactic Voyager. Yeah, because that's what he has when he goes back to save Yavin. <laughs> you think he's tired of going to Yavin, <laughs> like? Yeah, that, that's where most battles after twelve or after eleven ABY happen. There's like yeah. three battles of Yavin. Yeah, it's usually Dalla. I'm surprised Dalla didn't turn up in this. After me too, they really could have fit her in somewhere. Yeah, just like she was hiding in another Masasi temple. Like comes out, shakes her fist at the Thai bomber going up over. Coral, yeah. though, a longtime staple of the Young Jedi Knights books. Uh, gets shot down in his TIE fighter over Yavin. Yeah. He's like, fuck it, I'm staying here. I, li- I like Coral in this one a lot, actually. Yeah. He's one of my he's one of my low-key... I like all the characters in the series, and Coral especially, because he is, like, he never really breaks through the indoctrination. Um, but he does kind of like... What the fuck? Sorry, my computer just started autoplexing. He, he never really breaks through the indoctrination, but he... Uh, he does kind of like poke a little like few holes in it you know what I yeah mean? like he gets around the indoctrination but like oh i can kill norris because uh mm-hmm. he's chucking imperial doc or imperial doctrine out the window yeah but i i do kind of like how he doesn't just get miraculously healed because mm-hmm. he's like he's been not only indoctrinated but he's been chilling like camping on yavin for a decade just like stewing just just getting pissed like <laughs> well he so, does get supply drops out and i think i think he dies in njo yeah doesn't he save attack. the kids? Is he like yeah he's helping to doesn't save, he the save anakin or am i yeah 
Yeah. I th- I think that's what happens because uh, he helps them get into the temple. I forget already, but. Well, let's see. It's funny. I was looking at. I always forget they made that retcon that you did the video on, where, like from the uh, the Marvel stuff, the comics. Which like one? The crash pilot. Oh. It's like yeah. there's an un- unidentified crash pilot. Who's yeah, there. yeah, where they combine that. Uh, I don't think he dies actually. So. Does he not? In twenty six, ABY, the Peace Brigade, fucking Peace Peace Brigade, man. Uh, learn the location of Skywalker's Jedi Praxium. Uh, well, does he end up on like? Doesn't he end up like flying with people and? Yeah. Um. So, Anakin's jarred awake by a bedraggled old man. I remember that. Um. Uh. Do Anakin set out to rescue Tahiri. Quarrel and Rem. Who's Remus? Oh, that's the uh, the hostage that they have. Um, yeah, the peace period hostage. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think he dies. Yeah, I guess he does. He just goes back to shuttling stuff. Yeah, I don't know what he does. Huh. What's the What's the name of the guy though? The other guy um, who Jason's hanging out with this story. Uh, Peckham. Yeah. What What happens to him? He's like six trillion. I think he he's doing some shuttling in uh, in NJO, like supplies still. Because nice. I think they talk about how he's been sending supplies to Coral. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, he's still yeah, around right. in NJO for sure. Right. Yeah, he's in Edge of Victory with with uh, with Coral at least. Mm-hmm. Just looking, I'm curious how many books we have left. We've got. So this is book, what, six, I think? One, yeah, two, three, four, one. five, six. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight books left. Yeah, there's still the Diversity Alliance stuff. Yeah. Shards of Alderaan. I think that's just a... Oh, I think that's the first book of the Diversity Alliance one. Yeah, I think we've got two of the trios left. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after that, I guess it'll be Junior Jedi Knights. For our off weeks. <laughs> or legacy. Yeah. Uh, I mean we do have we do have uh, Jedi Knight Ken calling our name. Who the fuck is is that on the cover for Diversity Alliance? Is that Raynar? Yeah. It's like a wet ferret. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely Raynar. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> I do like um, the art for this book, the cover, like because they can't just use photoshopped uh, like recreations of the original trilogy characters, which is really what they got away with for like the vast majority of like Bantam era legends. It's just like this is a shot of a shot of Han, Luke, and Leia, just like slightly edited, but like this one, they actually you know they've got Jason and Zach and Jaina and Palpatine. Yeah. Luke looking like he's 16 in his first uh, high school uh, theater production. I'll put up the the cover for everyone to see. There we go. Jason with his weird coat yeah, thing. Yeah, his weird jacket. I don't know what he's wearing there. Mm-hmm. I don't know when what this is supposed to be because I don't think he's actually holding his lightsaber at any point. <laughs> no, he's maybe that's his uh, his snake. Mm, he. His snake just looks like a lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> Jason had to be uh, chastised for running around the Jedi Temple holding his snake. Kids, man, they're hard to control. God, Zek's face just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like he's making that sound that uh, Hannibal Lecter makes with like the nice Chianti. <laughs> Just imagine that the hissing noise while he's making this yeah. face at Jaina. <laughs> uh, I taught Gus to make that sound. Nice. I've I've been it's been a very productive couple of weeks. I taught him well. He knew that how to make that sound for a while, but I also taught him the only good bug is a dead bug from Starship Troopers, <laughs> and he's been uh, he's been saying that a lot, which I'm very proud of. 
Kelsey doesn't know about that one yet. We'll see. We'll Ooh, see how uh, she feels. I think this is a first edition. Oh, nice. Because it's got a preview of Shards of Alderaan coming in January 1997 from Boulevard Books. They don't have any. I don't have any of these in in uh, physical version. I, I had I had to read the janked up uh, the janked up uh, ebook version, and this one was extra janked up because I was like, "Wow, it starts in media res where it's like Jaina's in the middle of a sentence, and it's like, no, they just didn't include the first." Yeah, I I read that as well. Uh, I didn't remember that I had this until afterwards. So I only have four of these, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure which four. So it was only when I finished the book I was like, "Oh wait, I think I do have this one." So I have I think I have four consecutive ones. Which I'm going to I'm going to go on an adventure. You keep everyone entertained. Okay. Let's see. So yeah, the versions of the books we're reading, we've talked about this on the uh talked about this on the podcast before. They're basically like as if somebody scanned the book and tried to translate that into like type, which works sometimes, but like if you've got letters that are close together, it's like, you know, um, an L and an N, like a lowercase N, the book might think is a B. So it's every instance yeah. of the word protege had two sixes instead of the E's. Yeah. The pro six G six. All right. We got, uh, we had darkest night, which we covered last time. Uh, then we had, or then I do have, I do have diversity line so I can show everyone wet ferret Raynar. God, he looks so bad. And finally, we have Delusions of Grandeur. I won't. I, I guess at some point they decided to put like four characters at the top in each of these. And Jason kind of starts looking. I guess Jason looks like a wet ferret on them as well. It's just less of a wet ferret than Raynar, mm-hmm. so it doesn't stand out until afterwards. Tenelka's hair looks like it's made out of snakes. So <laughs> there's. This is probably not great for the audio listeners. But doesn't matter. It's it's important that everyone understand what they should be looking for in their Star Wars book covers. So there we go. Those are my four physical copies of the books. Um, I do want to give a shout out to there's a YouTube channel called YJK Audiobooks because there's no there, there actually aren't audiobooks for these, not even abridged ones. But um, these people, uh, it, it's just a text to speech program, but they're using some version of the the audiobook that's got perfect. Um, writing and stuff so or some version of the ebook so it, it is just a text-to-speech version but i listened to it for the first bit because i was missing some text from mine so mm-hmm. shout out to yjk audiobooks on youtube very niche channel i appreciate that mm. very epic mm-hmm. it wants me to rate this book on my kindle but I don't know what that's going to be. Well, the Kindle also wants you to write the book on the podcast. So should we talk about that? Is there any other plot? I mean, there's not a lot of plot here. Um, It was, it's a, it's a fun read. It's an enjoyable read. You can crack her off and, you know, drink a beer and go back to a simpler time if you want. Um, Yeah. I give this book uh, three absentee Lukes out of five. The other two absentee Lukes are just absent. It's not that I don't Where would you rank this one amongst your... Uh, was this a top-tier Young Jedi Knights, mid, or bottom? I, I think this is a top-tier Young Jedi Knights experience. We got everything you could want out of it. There was nothing that felt extraneous. We got a lot of threads coming together here. We really mm-hmm. see how the relationship has evolved between at least Jason and Tenel Ka. There's not mm-hmm. as many scenes with like all four of them together. That's where I did feel it yeah, was a little bit lacking. Yeah. Uh, which, that, that's really what we're here for. But still, everything else we got was enough to make up for that. So this is... Uh, this is close to the top of my Young Jedi Knights books, probably with, uh, I think I said Darkest one? Night was oh, up there really? as well. Yeah. I forget what we said last time, but because that was, that was a while ago. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is up there. How about you? I, I do miss too, like the, usually the books start off with like the peaceful moments where like they're off, you know. Usually they've got a thing that they're either fixing or like there's a new animal or whatever. Like each of the characters has something. I kind of missed that this book a little bit. Like usually like, oh, Jason's got this new snake and, uh, you know, Lobaka's got his skyhopper, which we do see in this one. But usually there's like, they all come together to do something kind of just well, chill. And Jason loses his whole animal collection here. So we got to rebuild that over the next seven books. Yeah. And I'm then sure. they all die in the Yuzon. <laughs> <laughs> they don't die. They get Vong formed into something 
much a, a fate far worse than death. <laughs> they so, turn into a, a ship womb. How many of these creatures that Jason just unleashed on Yavin when he was letting them all out of their cage? How many of those were invasive species that now terrorize the Yavin ecosphere? I mean, probably not that many. I, well, to be fair, I guess Han does bring him one, doesn't he? So yeah, and there's the one he yeah. finds on uh, on the shuttle on the way to Hapes. It's possible. I mean, like, I think he just gets them from everywhere, and then I think Yavin's got a lot of apex predators, though. That's true. So, like, well, I guess you can't have a lot of apex predators. You can have well, a lot of them are just like a the lot other of high students. level predators. A lot of the students at Luke's Academy probably would be more than happy to eat them. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's already a bear bell fuck nest going on in the Jedi Order at this point, but no, that's probably. uh, only Luke. Eh. Luke only meets them pretty soon before uh, yeah, the no. mission to Merkir. So Jedi Master Elisa's training them separately. Yeah, because that's when Barab gets blown up, right? That's like when they... Yeah. Do you um, want to uh, spare a thought for, for the Royal Guards? And yeah, I was just going to say Return of Palpatine. I mean, it, everyone knows Palpatine's not actually back. Um, I mean, I was thinking about how like it kind of did contradict Crimson Empire a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking because the, the guards are pretty much gone but yeah but it's also not hard to believe that four would have four who were more interested in power would have um kind of you know hidden somewhere yeah like brackis finds out he's been tricked which is like yeah obviously you fucking mm-hmm. moron <laughs> yeah we did get a couple emails today uh Ooh, well nice. over the course of the last week so our first email is a question or questions for my festering boys from Stefan. Don't like that. Just joking. Uh, who is asking? As seemingly big fans of the Legends Rogue Squadron books, what are your expectations for the Rogue Squadron movie? Obviously, the difference between the state of the galaxy immediately post Endor are wildly different in Legends and Canon, and Legends doesn't have much of any character development outside of the movie and squadrons. Are you worried about the legwork they'll have to put in? Do you think it'll end up being some form of movie series, or maybe even get its own show? Do you want to handle that? For, I feel like I've talked about this question a lot. I don't. I think it's going to be set after yeah. the sequel trilogy. Um, I, I think we've both kind of talked about that. Like, yeah, I'm not too worried about what they'll have yeah. to set up. We're not, we have so I, few details about it. It's hard to really say. Yeah, like it doesn't seem like it's going to be about Wedge. Uh, I'd say he might be in it as like the old, you know, he's like the old fighter pilot who maybe like is in the background, but yeah, like it could be Poe is the new one, or it, it could also just be new pilots if they could if they could get dennis lawson to agree to like some part as like a flight school teacher or something Mm -hmm. that'd be cool uh but i i I wouldn't even mind if he dropped it up yeah i wouldn't mind if there was like an all hands on deck moment where like he's got to jump in an x-wing for a bit at the end but yeah yeah. I, i just mean the general idea of like if they can convince dennis lawson to commit to a star wars movie for like five I think he's interested. He seemed like he felt like he regretted not doing episode seven. Hmm. He said he had, he wished he had, but he had uh, prior commitments or something. Like, dude, I, like, I could check your IMD. Let's look up Dennis Lawson IMD. Well, it doesn't have to be a work commitment. Maybe someone had a baby in his life or something. Or he had a nice dinner to attend. The dude's 70. He's been around for a lot of babies. I'm just saying, use use Dennis Lawson while he's around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess he was in a show called New Tricks as Steve McAndrew. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll hopefully get. We'll definitely talk a lot more about Rogue Squadron as it as we get information. Like, I think it's something we're both excited for, mm-hmm. uh, whatever form it ends up taking, as we both like that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing being starfighter combat, not necessarily Star Wars, obviously. We, everyone yeah. knows we like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next question. Uh, am I screwing up the the stream when I do this? I don't think so. Yeah, because the window's staying over there. Okay. Next question is from Joel, who is Hello, asking... Uh, since I just read the Skywalker Family at War, which is a retelling of the entire Skywalker saga as if it was an in-universe mm, documentation of the family, it made me wonder, what do you think the legacy and discourse around the sequels will be in a decade or two when the sequel trilogy generation are the predominant voices in Star Wars? 
And we also have a lot more EU materials and source books that help round out more and smoothen out the rough edges of lore introduced in the sequel. Do you think people would be more positive, like what things got with the prequels, or will it be different? I genuinely have no clue. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, th- I think it will be a little more positive, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I, I think it'll be more positive. Like, it's, it's something... I think like, episode this isn't, eight, yeah. Well, I, it's just something we've seen so often with every bit of Star Wars media. Like, there'll still be the people who didn't like it around, and, <laughs> like, there'll still be those criticisms. But with everything in Star Wars, we've seen the same kind of thing where it gets introduced, people are very angry about it, and then eventually the people who are primarily in that headspace are mm-hmm. less invested in the conversation at least so the people talking about any individual part of it tend to be the people who are more into that thing uh where like yeah the i people do find it primarily... hard to believe people will I, I don't think people are going to warm to nine like they did episode three for example well i don't think it even has to be people warming up to it necessarily so much as the people who are going to be talking about it are going to be less predominantly the people who disliked it where, like, if you look at anything when it first comes out, the prequel trilogy, NJO, Dark Nest, Legacy of the Force, like, these all kind of got the similar treatment. And, mm-hmm. like, it, this isn't new. Nothing mm-hmm. that was said about the sequel trilogy was something, was a new kind of criticism. But that usually falls off as people either get used to it being around or find something else to talk about. No, I think you're right. Um I don't know it'll, it'll be interesting, but I, I do think you're you're spot on. I I don't know, like the the degree to which public perception or like discourse around the the prequels improved. I wouldn't expect that, because I think that I I think that Episode Three is the movie that was like significantly better than it was initially kind of like the discourse kind of portrayed it as at the beginning. Um, I guess episode eight, a lot of people love that movie. I'm not one of them. I like, I, it's got a lot of problems for me, but like, I think that's a movie that will probably get a a bit of public rehabilitation, but I I just, the prequels, the, I don't know. I I just find it hard to believe that the degree to which the kind of public perception around the prequels changed part, part of that is, I think there's less hate towards the sequels among like average people. Like, a lot of Star Wars fans on Twitter or whatever are pretty negative towards the sequels, but like, I feel like prequel hate was kind of next level. Yeah, that that like was, it was a lot openly more derided. Like, I I definitely know a lot of my friends who are not like Star Wars fans who are like, okay, seven was cool, eight was okay, and then nine was like, what the fuck did we watch? Because uh, I have like two or three friends who are star wars fans but they're not like super invested in star wars they're in no way in part of the mm-hmm. part of the online community uh one mm-hmm. of them has like seen a couple of your videos and that was kind of the extent of their online involvement uh and the other one like that like 100 percent, no involvement no interaction like they both really hated nine fine with eight but their hatred of nine never really extended beyond huh mm-hmm. that was bad I'm going to go watch The Mandalorian now or something like yeah. that. A lot of my friends didn't hate 9. They just were like, eh. like, I Like, when it comes to 8, I actually had a, a lot... Of, I had a few friends who definitely reacted a lot more kind of negatively towards 8 than 9. Because, like, I, I think 8's a bit more challenging in some ways. Where, like, and I guess that's one of the reasons I'm not huge on it. But where 9 is, like, it's just bad (laughs) i don't know (laughs) like it's just not good so it's like what like it doesn't it it, it, yeah i don't know do you ever consider how much of like your own perspective on the sequel trilogy or any star wars media is impacted by online discourse like i'm not saying that is like a thing directed at you individually it's just something no no i I do a lot like what would i think of these things if i was not part of any sort of discussion on them yeah, no, I, I think, think I'd be higher on nine than I am, actually. Um, I am the kind of person I I will say I I, I do this every time I get really into leaks before the movies come out, mm-hmm. and that's not a, probably a great way to go. if you want to form your own full opinion, but I don't know. Definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it bothered big... me because it was something that I was really thinking about while watching Rise of Skywalker, where I was in the theater. I knew like the stuff about Palpatine coming back, where it's like, 
there were parts of it that I was enjoying, parts of it that I wasn't. But the entire mm-hmm. time I was thinking like, oh, am I supposed to like this or not? Like what's what's being said about this right now? And it's very difficult to block that out and just engage with it on its own. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I actually, it can have the opposite effect too. Like for me, um, Clone Wars and Rebels, before I started doing YouTube, I had no interest in those shows mm-hmm. because I just thought they were for kids. Um, and Rebels especially, like that's something that I gave a lot more of an opportunity because like... I was in, you know, Star Wars Twitter and Star Wars YouTube and like I had heard how good that show was and plus I, I also just need to watch it for my job. But yeah, um, but yeah, and then I end up loving both those shows, especially Star Wars Rebels is one yeah. of my favorites. Um, so that the like, I, I guess the, the community had a, a rehabilitative, rehabilitative effect. I almost got to the point where, like, there were a lot of people kind of hating on The Mandalorian Season 2, the end of it, or, like, just generally the um, the inclusion of so many, you know, like, other characters and stuff. And that almost got me down to, like, almost brought my opinion down, but and then at a certain point I was like, you know what? No, like, I don't really give a fuck what these people on Twitter say, or, like, if they think that it was schlock or whatever, I loved it. So, like, mm-hmm. that was kind of one case where I was able to kind of ignore the the general consensus or not it wasn't a consensus i was able to ignore some of the louder voices or whatever yeah all right uh next email comes from uh keenan who is oh jeez <laughs> do you want to read this <laughs> do we want... open. uh they're they're asking if there's going to be any romantic involvement between Thrawn and Arlani in uh, Greater Good. Oh yeah, does does the word cheeks appear from what I remember? Uh no, something else. Let me just read this. Who is it from? Uh, Kenan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I I don't know. What do you think? I don't think so. Maybe no, Keenan, you're you're funny. Um, I'll, I'll... <laughs> uh, if the word "sweet" wasn't there, I'd probably say it. But <laughs> I there's definitely hints towards that becoming a thing. But yeah, uh, I don't know if we'll, we'll ever... already got canceled by the weird uh, Thrawn uh, Arlani stands on twitter for suggesting the question is in zon's new book do you think thrawn will finally get a crack at aralani's he, he says blussy blue you, you know i'm not i'm not gonna lay it out for you guys um and i, I mean i don't know if that's gonna happen but i i do think there's been a hint that yeah, yeah. there's at least something going on there i don't know if it's ever gonna be a realized relationship like we oh, don't want any stands or any shippers coming for us. But Man, they came for me hard. Did I did I like show you when that was happening? No, uh, actually, I think you did off the podcast. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast. So, so I, I put a tweet out basically like talking about how because I thought there was clear sexual tension in the last one. Did you think there was too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. okay. And it's like I, I tweeted about that, and like immediately, like five to ten. It was, like, a side of Twitter I didn't know where it was, like, hardcore, like, Thrawn stands. Like, these people each had Thrawn names or, like, Chiss names. They each had, like, Tumblr pages dedicated to Thrawn or Arlani. And, like, they all kind of, um, like, like they, they came en masse. Like, like I knew, like, Raylos existed and I knew, like, there were others, like, in the Star Wars community like that. But, like, I did not know that there was, like, these Thrawn stands. And they're like, this is fucking disgusting that you would um put your weird fetishes into the book i'm like hold on like excuse me like if i had if if i had wrote the word keenan used on twitter like and and been like that maybe but i was just like i think they're like gonna hook up they're like no there is no context for that in the in the book and zon has said it's not gonna happen so they were they were anti-shippers it was weird because they were anti-shippers, but they were like Thrawn and Arlani stands. Like, were they like? 
were, were they shipping themselves with each of the characters? Is that why they were upset about the implication that maybe they're together? I don't I think that they preferred to see it as like a brother-sister relationship. Okay. Yeah. I'll see, if, I'll see if I can find one of the tweets. It's hard because I, I, I did a Twitter wipe a while ago. Uh, let's see. I might have to uh, go back and reread parts of the book before uh, reading Greater Good. Not specifically for this, but just to remember some of what happened. Because it has been like almost a year. But... Yeah, I don't really remember a whole lot of what happens. <laughs> what happened? Is there an apostrophe in Arlani somewhere? Uh, A R apostrophe Alani. Okay. Uh, seeing some references to it. Oh, here's one. God. Super gross, my dude. Write all the fan fiction you want, but it's clear in the text that they're friends. With like, immediately the second they post it, like five likes to it. Um, and I was like. Yeah, and then just like, I was I, I can't see what I said because I deleted I deleted all my tweets, including this one. But uh, the person responded, the subtext where the author has stated that they're simply friends, the subtext that informs the reader their version of Thrawn lost a sister who would be Arlani's age, the subtext where Thrawn struggles with the concept of companionship his entire adult light. It is gross when you misread characters so badly that you view them as breeding stock. Hmm. Oh, I remember one of the people that responded. Their name was CEO of Thrawn's Prostate. Which I thought was really funny. And and you're the weird one for suggesting that maybe there was a romantic relationship implied or like yeah. some romantic tension there. Huh. Yeah, that was really weird of me to do that. Like it's yeah, not even like a... we were like saying anything super intense about them. It's just it, do you think it'll go this direction? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh. All right. I didn't say blue. I didn't say clapping blue cheeks or anything gross. Well, uh, on just... this uh, on this track, our final question for the night comes from Brett, who wants to know who we think are the horniest in Legends: uh, Corin Horn, Luke and Mara during NJO Winter, whenever Akbar's in the same room, or someone else. Uh, Lost Stars is the correct answer. Uh, I haven't read yeah. it yet, but everything I've heard says that they've got uh, they built a fuck room, from what I remember. But I, I do think that Luke and Mara in NJO is is kind of slept on, because like they're always going at it. Yeah, like in a public. lot of the Winter Akbar stuff happens off screen. Yeah, like Luke and Mara almost act like sixteen year olds. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. Um. The, the thing about Lost Stars is, like, there's a lot of sexual tension for, like, the entire book. Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, you know, they start off as teenagers and it's, like, all the way till they're adults. And it's just, like, are they, aren't they? And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, well, yeah. We're going to get there eventually uh, mm-hmm. with special guest Star Wars Explained. Yeah. What's uh... next week? Next week, we are going to be reading a little book known as Starfighters of Adamar, going back right. to the X-Wing series for the second last one. We only have one left after this. Just one. Isn't there two? Isn't there Mercy Kill and then... Um... Is there another one after Mercy Kill that we haven't done? Yeah, there's Mercy Kill and... Uh... One I think, more. I think Isn't it's there? just Starfighters of Adamar and Mercy Kill that we haven't covered. You might be right. Yeah, sorry. Because the other one that's kind of like off on no, its you're own right. is you're right. Ice Archer. You're right. But we covered that already. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll think about that more before you... you just and really, this is the last... Because the Mercy Kill, from what I remember, is like weird. Because it's like... Isn't it Fate of the Jedi? Or Yeah, but it has... Uh, like, isn't it has a lot of the, the same main characters. character? Yeah, but you, you kind of catch up with all the wraiths. And... Is Wedge... Is Wedge in it? I think so. Well, Wedge is in the rest of Legacy of the Force and doing all the Confederate or all the Confederation stuff. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Mercy Kill has the Tainer, no, not Tainers. Yeah, no. Yeah, because it's Tyria and Kel 
that are like off living on Corellia, right? And then Piggy finds them because everyone thought they were dead after after the end oh, yeah. of the Wraith stuff. Because Starfighters of Adam or because uh, I started Revenge was like the the original X Wing characters. Mm-hmm. Then we get back to Wraith Squadron with uh, Mercy Kill. Yeah, like that's their last thing. All right. Well, I think that's all I've got. Anything else you want to add, Corey? Or shall we? We didn't talk about news. Is there any news? Not really. <laughs> well, there's like the the shows coming to Disney Plus, but we can probably talk about that. Oh next yeah, week. yeah. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. So that will be on April twenty second. Uh, we will be talking about Starfighters of Atomar. So uh, get reading, everyone. Send in your questions to tapcaftransmissions at gmail uh remember uh by product our good our favorite sponsor we haven't talked about in a while they've they've been paying man that's Not true once. it's a Not it's once. a rough podcast scape out there but it is yeah you want to you want to take us out goodbye everybody have a good night burial card tonight see you there yeah that's true x2 x2 bye-bye bye okay